chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, verse 52. Genesis chapter 41. We're going to read just one verse, verse 52. Genesis 41, verse 52. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God had caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. He's talking about Joseph there. His second child is by name Ephraim. And he named him Ephraim because he said God has caused him to be fruitful in the land of his affliction. This morning, the topic of the message is from affliction to fruitfulness. From affliction to fruitfulness. And the first question we want to ask ourselves is, what is affliction? What is affliction? Affliction can be defined as anything that brings pain or suffering. Whatever brings pain or suffering is affliction. Affliction can also be defined as a state of pain, distress, grief, or misery. In other words, affliction could be caused by sickness, by loss, by calamity, or by persecution. The children of Israel were afflicted in the land of Egypt. They were afflicted with hard labor and taskmasters. When we go to Exodus chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1, from verse 11 to verse 14. Exodus chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. Exodus 1, 11 to 14. The Bible says, Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their bodies. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But take note of verse 12. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Verse 13. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In mortar and in brick. And in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Was with what? Rigor. The affliction of Israel... And their ultimate deliverance from Egypt proves one important point. Affliction cannot defeat the purpose of God. Tell someone the affliction cannot defeat the purpose of God. That's very important. Affliction could arise at any point in time. Affliction could be a test to say if you are going to pass. If you are ready to move to the next level. And brethren, when affliction comes, not if it comes, when affliction comes, we must not chicken out. Because affliction cannot defeat the purpose of God. Unless we make up our minds by ourselves that, well, I've had enough. I can't take this anymore. Affliction cannot defeat the Remember, the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common unto man. God is faithful. And we with the temptation also do what? Make a way of escape. The children of Israel were afflicted in the land of Egypt. But the purpose of God still came to pass. 
That's why I love that passage in Psalm 33. That says, the counsel of God alone shall stand. And it's taught to all generations. I pray for someone listening to this message. The counsel of God concerning you shall stand in Jesus' name. When affliction increases, as a result of your cry or prayer to God, it is because your salvation is at hand. In other words, when you begin to pray, and many of us, we don't take note of this. When you begin to pray, when you begin to cry unto God, when you begin to tell on God, Father, intervene in my situation. It looks as if it is at that point in time that affliction increases. That situation is becoming unbearable. The reason for that, brethren, is because salvation is at hand. The devil wants to harass you into submission. But so long as you hold on to the living God, that should give you an assurance that God loves you and God wants to fight for you. In Psalm chapter 30 verse 5, is a passage we know very well. Psalm 30 verse 5. It says, His anger endured but a moment. In his favor is life. You will find life in his favor in Jesus' name. He now says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. One other thing that we learn from the definition of affliction as it affects to the children of Israel is that your growth in the time of affliction will grieve the enemy. So in other words, when affliction comes, the purpose of the enemy is that, okay, let's afflict him. When we afflict him, he will give up. When we afflict her, she will give up. But instead of giving up, what is happening? You are growing. Is that that passage in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 that says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No wonder the Bible says, Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. When affliction comes and you begin to grow rather than, I mean, ticking away, it grieves the enemy because the enemy sees that it is losing the battle. And I speak to somebody else here too. The enemy is losing, losing the battle concerning you in Jesus' name. I say the enemy is losing the battle concerning you in Jesus' name. What is the purpose of affliction? Affliction wants you to be unproductive for yourself, but to be productive for others. And that is what happened with the children of Israel. They had nothing they could call their own, but they were building cities for the children or for the Egyptians. Affliction wants you to be productive for yourself, to have nothing to show for your efforts, but to be productive for others. When you look around and say, ah, we built this. Oh, we built that. But none of them belongs to you. That is affliction. This is what is called perpetual servitude. And that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. And if there's anybody that is going through this, so long as you realize where you are and you want God to intervene and do his work, there shall be a divine turnaround today in Jesus' name. I said there shall be a divine turnaround in Jesus' name. Affliction makes you to have no time for yourself. But you have all the time in the world for others. When all that, the time that you have is devoted to serving your earthly masters and none to serving God. Brethren, that is affliction. When all the time you have is devoted to serving others, serving your earthly masters, but not for God. No wonder Jesus Christ said. He said, fear him. Fear him. Who can make you to lose not only here on earth, but in heaven? 
Don't just fear him whose control, if any, over you is temporal. Because the best he or she can have is here on this earth. Affliction is what, is what makes a man or a woman to get older but not better. When a man or a woman looks at himself, this year, last year, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, you are getting older. You are just counting age. Oh, I'm this, I'm, I am 60 years today. I'm 64 years tomorrow. I'm 65. You are getting older, but you are not getting better. That is affliction. But we are discussing today from affliction to fruitfulness. That implies, brethren, that affliction makes you unfruitful. Affliction makes you unfruitful. Look at the state of Joseph. Is there any way he could have had a child when he was in, 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 in prison? No. That was the place of his affliction. Moreover, if the person that God had proposed for him to marry was the wife of Potiphera, whom we are told is the priest of On, the highest spiritual ruler in the land, is there any way a man who was in the prison could have married the, the daughter of the priest? That is simply impossible. So you see that affliction made Joseph to be what? Unfruitful. Until God took him out of the threshold of affliction. So the question is, what was the affliction of Joseph in Egypt? And I'm going to mention just three things and then we're going to pray. Three afflictions of Joseph in Egypt that made him to named his son Ephraim because he said, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Number one, Joseph was sold into slavery. Now, apart from the one that his brothers did in selling him to the Midianites, when they got to Egypt, they sold him to Potiphar. So, Joseph was sold into slavery. Of course, the Bible says a man's foes are what? The members of his own household. We always say it. The most difficult enemy to uproot is the enemy within. The enemy that knows what you eat, where you sleep, when you sleep, how you sleep, the time you wake up to pray. That is the enemy that is difficult to, 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 to dislodge if that such a person becomes your enemy. That's why the Bible says in Micah chapter 7, Micah chapter 7, verses 5 to 6, it says, trust ye not in a friend. Micah 7, 5 to 6. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in, in, in a guide. Keep the doors of your mouth from heart that light in thy bosom. Verse 6. For the son dishonored the father. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. That is what Jesus Christ repeated in Matthew chapter 10 verse 36. Where he says, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Who have you sold yourself to? Men are going around selling themselves for, I mean, for money and nothing else. For money and nothing else. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Romans 6, verse 16. It says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. In other words, 
When we are talking about slavery, a man can be enslaved to sin. A man can be enslaved to the flesh. A man can be enslaved to his, to, to, to his passions. And just his passions alone. A man can be enslaved to his stomach. When we talk of fasting, say, what, you want to kill me? Is there anyone that will not die? If you truly fast before the Lord, and that's what takes your life, you are going on an express road to heaven. But brethren, fasting does not kill. But for a man who has made up his mind that he wants to serve his stomach, you talk of fasting, you say no. When a man, a fully-blooded man, nothing wrong with him, cannot fast from morning till 6 p.m. He wants to fast, he, starts, he will break at 12 noon. He's not sick. He doesn't have ulcer. Nothing wrong with him. He needs to check how much he has given himself to his stomach. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Many have been sold the way Joseph was sold. Many others have sold themselves for pecuniary reasons. A good example of a man that was sold is Samson. Samson, for whatever reason, Samson was sold. In Judges chapter 15, from verse 11 to 14, we're not going to read it, but Judges 15, 11 to 14, the Bible says, Samson offended the Philistines and they came against Judah because he was hiding in the hills of Judah then. And the people of Judah said, why have you come against us? So we have nothing to do with you. There is a man that is hiding in your midst that we want, and his name is Samson. And they knew where he was. The Bible says the men of Judah went to Samson on the mountain. And they said, don't you know that the Philistines are rulers over us? We have come to hand you over to them. He was fighting for them. But in times of crisis, they handed Samson over to the Philistines. Samson said, well, no problem. You want to hand me over to them? Hand me over to them. But make a vow to me, you will not touch me. I cannot fight you. You are my brethren. Hand me over to them. That was what they did. But brethren, the Bible says, in verse 14 of that passage, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. The cords that were upon his hands became as flags that was burnt with fire. His hands loose from all of his hands. I pray for someone today. God will fight for you. Where your, your, your household, your brothers, your sisters, who are supposed to celebrate you, who are supposed to say, this is our own, we will fight for him. Where they have risen and they have sold you, God will fight for you in the name of Jesus. God will give you victory in Jesus' name. For as long as Samson cooled, I'm not saying he was, he cooled, they counted innocent because he was fighting a battle that God was interested in. God fought for him. But there came a day that brethren, Samson was sold by Delilah. And there was no escape for him. In Judges chapter 6, from verse 18 to verse 20, we know the story very well. Delilah caught his, uh, his ear and she began, she began to taunt him. And she brought his enemies, the Philistines, and said, Samson, Philistines are all around you. And the Bible says, Samson woke up and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself. In verse 20, he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. God will not depart from you. 
I pray for someone listening to this message today, God will not depart from you. Because when God, if and when God departs from you, your affliction is total. There is no coming out of it. So the first affliction of Joseph in Egypt was that he was sold into slavery. The second affliction that Jacob had in Egypt is that he was pursued by the agents of darkness to destroy him and his destiny. Even in slavery, Joseph kept his integrity intact. Joseph was, I mean, he made a purpose in his heart, just like Daniel, that he would not defile himself. That the dream that God gave to him at a tender age must come to pass. But brethren, if Joseph succeeded, it's not because the enemy did not try. And that's what we all need to pay attention to today. The enemies will try unless your destiny is not worth fighting for. But if your destiny is the glorious one that God has said it is, the enemies will try. But you need to take your stand for God. And when you do, the enemies cannot succeed. I pray for someone here again today. The enemies will not succeed over you in Jesus' name. I pray for you as you are listening to this message. The enemies will not succeed over you in Jesus' name. The enemies of Joseph sent a woman to him by name Potiphar's wife. That's what we know her to be. And she stood for two things in the life of Joseph. Thank God Joseph did not fall for any of them. Number one, she was what, is, what the Bible calls an emptier. An emptier. Someone that empties. And she, number two, she was a waster. So what was her purpose? All that um, Joseph had to do was sleep with her. And the moment he had slept with her, he would have been what? Emptied of all his virtues, of all his glory, of all his destiny, of the plan and purpose of God for his life. And she was a waster. She was there to waste him. And we're going to look a little bit in detail into these two items before we begin to pray. What is an emptier? What is an emptier? In Nahum chapter 2 verse 2. Nahum chapter 2 verse 2. Nahum chapter 2. The Bible says, For the Lord has turned away the excellency of Jacob and the excellency of Israel. For the emptiers have emptied them out and marred their vine branches. You see what that passage is telling us? An emptier will reduce excellence to what? To zero. Excellence is the best state you can, you can achieve. What would an emptier do? It will reduce excellence to nothing. Zero. Emptiers will drain the virtues in an individual. And leave the person a shell ready for destruction. And that has been the impact of sexual sins in the lives of many. Many have been emptied because of fornication and adultery. There is a second death. A second death that the Bible says is in hell, hellfire. Or the lake of fire as the case may be. But many are living this life in their own shells because of sexual immorality. There is a syndrome that is called failure at the age of success. Failure at the age of success, brethren, could be because of emptiness. Because the individual has been emptied of the virtues that will take him or her above that hump 
So you walk, 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 you are climbing that hill. All you need to do is take the next step and you're on top of the hill. And that, what happens? That is the time that something will pull that individual down. Failure at the age of success could be because of emptiness. An example is the Midianites, the Amalekites, at the time of Gideon. I mean, Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, verses 2 to 6. Judges chapter 6, verses 2 to 6. They allowed the Israelites to plant. The water, the field was good. Everything was beautiful. The corn yielded our fruits. The harvest was, I mean, looking very, very inviting. But just as they were about to go into harvest, what happened? The Midianites, the Amalekites, the people of the east will come. They will come against them. With their cattle, with their own animals, they destroyed the increase of the earth. Everything. And the Bible says they left no sustenance for Israel. Judges chapter 2, verse 2 to 6. They left no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. They came up with their cattle and their tents. They came as grasshoppers for multitude. They and their camels were without number. They entered into the land to do what? To destroy it. That is an emptier. Those are emptiers. So when you see that, you, it looks as if you are about to get it. It becomes a mirage. It is the spirit of the Midianites. It's an emptying spirit. If you are grappling for that, that was situation today, the Lord will set you free in Jesus' name. Emptiers are responsible for bad dreams. Dreams of stagnation. Dreams of retrogression. Dreams of spiritual spouses and sexual intercourse in the dream. Eating in the dream, having children in the dream world, but none on earth. You see some women, in their dreams they have five children. On earth they have none. Why? Because the spirit spouses has taken over their life. The children they should have on earth, they already have in the spiritual realm. Unless God intervenes. And the same happens to some men. These are the work of emptiers. Materials that, of, that belongs to emptiers can be an opening for these emptiers to begin to operate in the life of a person. And we are given an, we are given examples. We are given an, I mean, we are given examples. When you see uh, uh, bangles, earrings, and all those uh, funny things that men and women use, you know, in the past we used to talk about when we say earrings. You say you are talking about women, right? These days, men even use earrings more than women. It's not a guy, a woman thing. All manner of jewelry with images of snake on them, demonic attachments, demonic pictures. These are tools that the emptier uses in the lives of men. For Joseph, it was very easy. It was Sister Potiphar's wife that came to him and said, sleep with me. That's it. You are the favorite servant of the house. Everything in this house belongs to you. My husband will not know. That is the emptier. For adventure, you have been attracted to such a snare. Flee before it is too late. Jacob ran and he fulfilled destiny. You will fulfill destiny in Jesus' name. What is a waster? Whatever makes you use a gift or talent wrongly is a waster. When the Lord gives you an ability to worship and to serve him with your voice. But you decide to use that gift for the devil. 
That is a waste. When the ability that God has given to you is not even used at all. That is a waste. When sin becomes an opportunity in your heart that will lift you up, you are being wasted. You know, the Potiphar's wife came to Joseph and said, sleep with me. Not only will my husband love you, I will love you in this house. Nobody will challenge your authority. A normal, I mean, somebody living in the flesh would have said, oh, it's good. At least now my, my brethren have sold me. I can be comfortable here. But Joseph knew better. He knew that the Bible says promotion comes not from the south, not from the east, not from the west. God is the judge. It is God that will lift up one and put down another. He held on to the living God. He held on to the living God. And brethren, when God eventually promoted Joseph, even Potiphar had to come and do what? And bow down to Joseph. He did not succumb to the work of the emptier or the waster in his life. It was the waster in Gehazi's life that made him to lust after the things that Elisha rejected from Naaman. In 2 Kings chapter 5, from verse 20 to verse 22, Elisha said, I don't want anything from you. Naaman said, my master had rejected this wonderful cloth and jewelry. I will run after him. He did not realize that in taking those things from Naaman, he was also doing what? Taking the leprosy of Naaman. It wasn't obvious when he started. Brethren, and that is the way the enemy deceives people and wastes them. They first said, looks innocent and good. But they've been warning you, don't go there. Don't go there. They say, what do I, I don't see anything wrong in this. Look, at, we went there yesterday, we came back. Nothing. These people are just making noise. It's only an attraction. The moment your eyes are open to the depth of it, you cannot go back. Gehazi went. He thought he was only taking clothing. He would hide it in his, in his room. He would be a rich man, a, a, a way that God did not intend for him to be rich. Not that God said he would not be rich, but not that way. Unfortunately for him, by taking those things, he was also taking what? The leprosy of Naaman. That's exactly the way wasters operate. You will not be wasted in Jesus' name. I said, you will not be wasted in Jesus' name. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. We'll see that, uh, the conclusion of that passage. So, we've mentioned two things. Two afflictions of jo uh, Joseph in the land of Egypt. Number one, he was imprisoned. Number two, the enemy wanted to waste him or empty him of his treasures, of his destiny. He sent, I mean, Potiphar's wife to destroy him, but he rejected he did not fall. The thought in about the, uh, the thought affliction of Joseph in Egypt was that he was imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. But brethren, that was not the end of it. God brought him out. And I pray for anybody today who is living in what I call the prison of life. God will bring you out in Jesus' name. It was only after he came out of that prison that he married and became fruitful. That was why he said, the name of this, my second child, shall be Ephraim. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. From the prison, I became the prime minister. 
I speak to somebody's life here today. There is a barrier that is preventing you from obtaining God's best for your life. You will scale over that barrier today in Jesus' name. That barrier that is preventing you from obtaining God's best for your life, ah, you will scale it in the name of Jesus. Like I said earlier on, if Joseph had remained in prison, even if he had gotten married, he would never have married the daughter of the high priest of the land. Paul and Silas, we know that story very well. Acts chapter 16, verse 24 to 26. They were in prison. They were praising God. They were worshipping God. And God intervened and set them free. Why were they in prison? So that they would not fulfill the plan and purpose of God for their life. But God said, no. No. These ones must fulfill that purpose. Because they took the right approach. They began to praise and worship God. They realized that they were called to set captives free from prison. Not to, to be in prison. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to verse 19, Jesus Christ said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, and to breach the acceptable year of the Lord. When you go to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 to 3, we see, this, uh, we see that Christ took his message from, this, from Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. He repeated the, essentially the things that were in that passage. But then, when you go to that same Isaiah 61, verse 4, verse 4, Verse 4, as we round up before we begin to pray, Isaiah 61 verse 4, the Bible says, They shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. In other words, once God has intervened by his spirit in the life of a person, even if that person in the past had been almost wasted, if the person had been emptied, once God has intervened, the Lord says there is a return, there is a restoration. The old wastes shall be built. That means, once you are set free, whatever the waster has wasted in your life, or made desolate, will be rebuilt in you. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. I say receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Restoration of all that was lost is promised. That is the plan and purpose of God. Strangers will begin to serve you and your generations. Amen. You will be set apart for God to minister to him as a priest and minister. That is the promise of God. The Bible says you will eat the riches of the Gentiles. Those are the things that the enemy wants to hinder. But the Lord is saying it's your portion and no one can take it away from you. Amen. To move from affliction to fruitfulness. Joseph had to hold on to the living God. And for any one of us in, in, in this situation, for you to move from affliction to fruitfulness, you need Jesus. It's as simple as that. Only Jesus can ensure 
that a man who is afflicted, a woman who is afflicted, a boy who is afflicted, will not die an afflicted soul. Only Jesus can ensure that affliction can be a thing of the past. Only Jesus can ensure that you can look back like Joseph did and say, God has made me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. To move from affliction to fruitfulness, you need Jesus.